everybody, it's Christy and welcome to Small Talk with Smallwood. I am your host, Christy Smallwood, and I do appreciate every single time that you stop by and listen to this show. Again, my first goal is always to try to be consistent, but I also want to bring in some engaging and entertaining and sometimes educational pieces. So what I've decided to do this week is actually replay uh, a piece or a, uh, a show I did called Small Business Small Talk, all focused on business owners. And I'm going to replay this conversation with one of my favorites, Hillary Steele. She is from uh, England, and she is this amazing woman. And it was a wonderful conversation. And the fascinating part is her love of potatoes. So join me in the replay of the uh, Small Business Small Talk on today's show of Small Talk with Smallwood. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the first official Small Business Small Talk show with my guest, Hillary Steele. So I'm your host, Christy Smallwood, and we do this twice a month, every second and fourth Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. We also have replays available on NetworkLiveVirtually.com. So if you'd like to be able to get these things more on an updated, regular basis and get reminders, go register at NetworkLiveVirtually.com to get more for Small Business Small Talk. So today, I am so happy to introduce my guest, Hillary Steele. She is all the way from Kent, England, and she has got this Beautiful background. I, I'm so impressed with this lady from like the moment I met you on Blab. I have been wow. super impressed. Um, not just because of the accent, but because of what <laughs> you managed to get done in your community and in a day and, and the stuff that really like sparks your passion and, and, and your new projects that you've got coming up. So I don't want to take all of the thunder. I would love for you to share with us a little bit of your background, your story, and, and what you're doing now. So kind of take it away, Hillary. Okay. Um, my working world after graduating is very much American-based companies, funnily enough. So I've worked for Bank of America. I've worked for Goldman Sachs. I've worked for Dutch Bank, ABN AMRO, and I've worked for Hewlett-Packard. So I did some grown-up stuff back in the day. But all the way through those corporate companies, I had itchy feet. And I didn't quite know what the itchy feet meant because I didn't have any role models to look up to that set up their own business or guidance. So I fumbled, I messed up, I messed up some more. And I've now been working for myself since 2003. So yeah, I'm hitting the 14 years, which is amazing. I still have a roof over my head, so it must be going quite well. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So tell me about um, the wit. Kent Women in Business. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. That started out as an award ceremony to celebrate success of females here in my county based on the fact that we'd previously launched one for independent businesses in the county. So, And the women, we thought, do you know what, let's do something for the women. And in a bar one night, someone said to me, how are you going to add value to the people who are sponsoring your Women in Business Award? I didn't flinch. I didn't blink. I just said, that's because on the night, which was in four months' time, I'm going to launch Kent Women in Business magazine, which will be a 72-page glossy publication. My business partner, Sue, nearly spat out her beer and was like, she didn't, she didn't dob me in. She didn't, you know, grasp me up for having um, lied or just made it up on the spot. I didn't lie. I made it up on the spot. 
And then four months after that, at the very first awards ceremony, which was a black tie dinner for women in business, we launched the magazine. We had our 72 page glossy magazine. Okay, so from, right, like what were you thinking? Idea to tangible handout magazine, four months. Four months, no publishing experience. And we're now in our fourth year, so it was four years ago in November that I said, um, I, I opened my mouth, so it was launched in March 2013. So, I, I'm still, I'm sorry, you still managed <laughs> to get a printed publication done with no previous knowledge in four months. What is it about you, Hillary, that says, screw it, let's do it? I, I see the end. I have the end thing in my head, the end goal, a vision, product, service, whatever. I, ha I have the end firmly fixed in my head. Now, I don't know anything about printing. I don't know anything about this. But within 72 hours of opening my mouth, I had a designer, printer, um, I'd had it registered with the British Library so that, it, that each copy gets each copy we publish gets saved in the British Library. I had all that sorted out and I started getting subscribers in to, you know, to, to join the magazine. And I started telling people when, when I went networking and they said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm editor of Kent Women in Business magazine. And someone said to me, I've never heard of that. I was like, nor did I yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> in my head. I got into the enthusiasm and um, I've worked really hard at building a solid network. So I did a lot of early morning network meetings to build up a physical subscriber database, but also because I wanted people to nominate women for the awards. And it works, you know, we're now, next week we're launching the um, nominations for the fifth Kent Women in Business Awards. So, you know, we've done something right. Nice. Yeah. So having all of those pieces in place then, and now you're in your fifth year, so you kind of get the hang of it now. Yeah. Is, <laughs> what are some things that you have learned along the way that you were able to take from a corporate setting and you needed to be able to use what you had to figure something out, but it's, it's something brand new you've learned? Well, from corporate, if you have a problem with a computer, you ring the IT department. Because when you sit up on your own, you're down under the table working out, is that cable connected, you know, right down to if the printer breaks down, you are getting your hands covered in ink to try and try and resolve that. But what I did learn um, from corporate, which is one of the biggest things, was the way that decisions are made in large companies often mean they're made too late. But as a small business owner, you have much more control over the decisions you make. And sometimes if you leave it a week, two weeks, the opportunity is kind of gone. And I'm seeing that with corporates that I work for because I had um, until this year when I set up my new project, I was working a lot with some corporates doing corporate training. And, you know, sometimes it would take six to eight months for them to make a decision on having the training. Whereas the staff then were getting fidgety and had already been aware of it eight months ago, but wanted it now, you know, and it was just a little bit that going up the chain. So I learned that communication with corporates as well didn't necessarily need to be 100 page document as long as the information was presented in the way that they want to do it which is also the same is very transferable to small business clients if you talk to people in the language that they like to receive information then you connect so that's probably one of the biggest things haven't what what is what do you feel about that word connect how has it been different for you from in your transition now that you're this business owner and you're launching a new project what does Connect really do for you? 
Connect opens doors, but it also teaches me things because pretty much everyone I meet has something to share, give, learn from, has an experience that I might be able to not manipulate, but do something with, help them with, connect them with somebody else, introduce them to other people. Connecting is really understanding what it is that you want to achieve. And if you don't understand where you are, you can't really fulfill what it is you want to do if you can't communicate that across. I can't express to you enough how impressed I am with you, Hillary. So I'm so <laughs> you know, 10 minutes into this, I'm still super excited that you're willing to, to spend time with us today. Um, so with that, tell us about your new project because we were so excited. And I'm going to say our green room time. So prior to hitting the record button, we got to meet a very special little guy in your life. <laughs> <laughs> that, that totally has the whole feel of what your <laughs> new project he's is. A, he's actually the sales manager. He's a five-month-old puppy where his mom is a Yorkshire Terrier and his dad is a Chihuahua. Oh. He's very cute. <laughs> um, and he's called Spud, which is really relevant to my new project, which is the first book is based on this book, actually, which is The Great Potato Cookbook, written by a lady called Jennifer Steele who um, is responsible for producing this. This is Mummy's book. And this was published back in 1989. And it's very 80s in the way it's laid out. Not all the recipes have pictures. I remember being 16, 17 year old when she was writing it and not like, being kept out of the kitchen. Shush, we're typing on a typewriter. Everything was done on a typewriter. You know, word processes were just starting to come in. And it was really quite entertaining when you look back. And then I've always cooked. I was the kid, instead of going out and having raves and stuff, I would, when my parents went away at weekends, I'd have dinner parties at home. And the deal was, if you get with the ingredients, the shopping list by Thursday morning, my mum would get the shopping so that Friday night or Saturday night, I would then have visitors. One condition, I would only mess up the house badly once. I would only screw up once. And so all my friends, we used to vacuum, dust the house, hoover, you know, clean it top to bottom. So when they came home on their Sunday night, it was all lovely for them as well, probably better than when they left on the Friday morning. And that stuck with me cooking. And I've always cooked. I've flagged some catering events. I've um, jumped in and helped out at catering events because I find it enjoying, enjoyable. The last time I did that was only three weeks ago when I got a phone call on a Saturday afternoon saying the chef hasn't turned up for a wedding. So two hours before the guests sat down to dinner, I went there and fixed it all up and presented it and did a sit-down dinner for 54 and buffet for 120 and completely crazy but I like that kind of challenge and I knew I was capable of coordinating it all um, and then in 2011 my mum had a stroke and she was left paralyzed down the right side and so for five and a half years I've been looking after her so I've been cooking a lot more different styles of food that I necessarily wouldn't eat because we have quite different tastes so I spend a lot of time in the kitchen and a chance conversation, someone said, why don't you do something with your mum's book? Because it was under the coffee table in my office. Hmm. And I decided, okay, let's have a look. So that afternoon, I bought the domain name worldofpotatoes.com and started playing around. One of our national TV channels picked up on it very quickly. That was June last year. And then it started getting momentum until the point that I thought it was going to be all about potatoes, always potatoes. I set up that World of Potatoes Twitter. And I was quite happy with that because I wanted the, the book to be on potatoes. And then, oh gosh, June this year, July this year, I got picked up by an agent. 
So we sat down and we had a real brainstorming with the whole team. They're dealing with all my bookings, all my media, everything they're dealing. The new website is actually being built by them that will be launched in a couple of weeks. And it's not just World of Potatoes now because it's got longevity. And actually, I've just got to learn how to be funny, but it's actually under um, Comedy Cook. So uh, it's the good, the bad and the burned of cooking. But the first book <laughs> is Comedy Cook, World of Potatoes. So the first book remains the potato project and then I can I don't have to do potatoes for the next one because we're doing a tv show um setting it up um doing a lot of spoof comedy sketches um all sorts of things that are really quite entertaining so hence there's a lot of green screen action uh, going on in my life I've grown my hair so that I can do a 1940s um photo shoot very soon for the dig for victory grow your own veg so there's there's a lot going on with it that's not just producing a cookbook so <laughs> okay, you have to do a superhero theme one time, just once. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's funny, I'm delivering a talk. My first talk is Comedy Cook tomorrow at an event for 100 people. And I've just done, I've been doing some visuals on PowerPoint. And guess who's in there? Wonder Woman! <laughs> yes! <laughs> she's, in, she's in there. It's under the bit. Um, I've, I've decided, because a lot of people know me as editor of a magazine and awards host, it's an audience that's a very professional business audience. But I could think they could pre-order my book, you see. So that's why I'm doing it. And I was thinking, I need to get across to them why I've ditched the corporate side of my own business and I'm doing this. So what I've done is I've done it as a business plan. So I've taken the key points of a business plan for this talk. So the executive summary. And then what qualifies me is where Wonder Woman comes in <laughs> on that slide. So I'm literally taking it through uh, in a com comical way, uh, a, a traditional business plan here in, here in the UK, our format. I don't have different is for you guys, probably not that different. But like the financial planning, I've just got a picture taken of a huge bucket of potatoes, you know, so can we pay for everything with potatoes? So it's, it's doing it within a business level, but also explaining that, that this isn't a midlife crisis. This is something that's really quite important to me and it has a big background. And my goal tomorrow is to get the support of my first live audience in a business format because I've been doing a lot of live cooking demonstrations at markets, farmers markets, county shows, big events. I'm cooking, I can tell you actually, I'm actually cooking on the 1st of November. I can't tell you which member of the royal family, but I'm actually making canapes for a member of the royal family who is attending an event that I've been asked uh, to provide this stuff for. And I'm a little bit excited because it's quite nice because everyone thinks they're vile. <laughs> Off with the red. <laughs> <laughs> After the 1st of November, I can um, I can say who it is, but they, they're not allowed to advertise who goes where. That is fantastic. Now, I remember yeah. a brief conversation on Blab many moons ago. Something about, you know, yes, the potatoes, but I think there was some vodka included in that conversation. <laughs> that's um, coming, and that's going to be made with potatoes from my local region. And that's hopefully, depending on, because we've, I've lost about six weeks with having a rebrand and working with an agent and only six weeks, you know, it can be a lot more than you lose yeah. in this transition, but we're really forward thinking and really working hard together. Uh, it might be early next year, but it's steely vodka. Steely yeah. vodka be, when I do produce it myself, it will then be under Hillary's distillery. Love it. <laughs> So you've gone from being corporate side, being being the adult over here, to have, right, 
to being a comedy cook, a uh, an event planner, a magazine editor, and a distiller. Well, I'm not really a distiller yet. I'm um, I'm not. I've I've found the people to make it happen for me to produce it for me. So I'm still a businesswoman in that sense. So this this idea of the distillery did that come up like the magazine? Like you just said it one day, didn't know what. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. What what I'm probably doing is, you know, I am I am working on an exit strategy for myself from the magazine, and you know that is something I has always been in place. And the award ceremonies and things like that. Uh, there is an exit strategy. I can't say when because we've got, I've got a few more challenges. I've set myself a few more challenges with them. That I'm happy to fulfil. But when you think the magazine is quarterly, and the events are annual. So it's not really a full-time job. It's not like I'm spreading myself too thin. So like magazine deadline, we focus two weeks solid. So that's only eight weeks of a year that I really focus solid on the magazine. You see, so it's not as busy and fingers in as many pies as it may sound. So how do you manage, especially with all of this new stuff coming on your plate, how are you managing your margin? So energy margin sleep in personal time i probably sleep about seven and a half eight hours a night i still get up early i'm very much an early morning person where i get stuff done but i work smarter you know an award ceremony used to take me say 200 hours it now takes 90. so what someone with my energy and productivity can do that extra 110 hours i i mean today i just we went off to a vineyard we took the afternoon off to go and do something fun and we're in magazine deadline we decided no we need some time out it's a beautiful day let's go out into the countryside so we did and that's how i manage it because after every award ceremony i hosted one on the 15th of this month we always sit down and analyze how we can streamline it and how we can improve the process and each year we improve the process so it becomes easier to fulfill to deliver so I sleep more than I did when I first started i used to be really quite stressed out that's about 5 years ago i suppose um, if I don't feel like working, I don't. I take time out. Now I've got the dog. We go out for a walk. It clears the head. You've got to take yourself out of the environment anyway. And that works for me. So I'm very conscious of there's no point me just sitting here pretending to work. I may as well go and do something, cook something, and then photograph it. And then that goes in the book. And then I feel satisfied. So it's a constant. It's, it's fun. It's really good fun. I mean, like today, we have, I don't know if you have it over there, like we have free cycle websites where when people don't want something, they put it on a website and you can collect it from the house. I was just looking at one today on an email alert. Oh, there's the dog. On the email alert. And it said, um, old recipe cards. So I thought, oh, that's near me, near my house. I'll go and collect them. So I went there this afternoon and there's a big box, very small, old, dated recipe cards. And where I'm trying to get back to that we're not teaching our generations, following generations to cook basics, this is going back to some old, old recipes that I can look at how we can revamp. There must be 500 recipes in this, in this box of little cards. And I just thought, and that was just by looking at an email and then emailing this person and off I went and collected it. And that's something I wouldn't have done. You know, and it's just, oh, I'm going to go out and get that now. I'm stopping. I'm, oh, I like that. I'm off to do that. And that, it's not having sparkle syndrome. It's not like getting distracted. Everything seems to have a natural um important because i'm doing what i really want to be doing i hope that answered your question in a roundabout way 
So I like that term and a natural importance because I know for me, I've had a conversation before where you do, if it's important to you, you will do it. Right. Well, but everything on my list of things to do is important. So how do I, is it a matter of, I stress out because the prioritization of this needs to come first and deadlines and blah, 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 blah. Everything is important. So I love that you just use that phrase, natural importance. Like if this came up for you, it is just as important as finishing this project over here, but you're going to go do that important thing and come back to this important thing. So it's, it's the shifting of just it's the shifting of things around. I love that. Because you are I just do. on fire and I'm loving watching you. <laughs> I do. Uh, I never used to, uh, but I do now when I have my to-do list of things I need to do. And we all have those tasks that we don't want to do. We all have them. And I always remember now how great it makes me feel when I've done one of those. When I've completed one of those boring tasks, it could be to file a tax return. It could be to, I don't know, something really boring that's not creative or fun for me. I sit there like that and I go like a teenage brat and then I go well once I've done it I feel so holier than now I'm like yeah check me out I feel good and I like that because that motivates me then to do something else so when I've got a lot on like magazine deadline and I don't like writing that I don't want to do that I'll do two of those things and then I can do two of the things and that's what I do I find that works so are you saying that you revert to adulthood every so often in a day? <laughs> I don't consider adulthood. I consider it being responsible for the environment you're creating. So if I don't do these things, the environment fails. It, it crumbles around me. So I'm very aware that I need to do certain things at certain times. I, I have that same thing. Like I will go 500 miles an hour and just drop stuff and go. So I have this trail of stuff all around me or piles of different things. And then all of a sudden I look at my environment. I'm like, oh, this doesn't <laughs> feel good at all. So then I do have to take that time out to just clean my desk off or clean that pile or whatever. And like you said, once I get that thing done, I do feel better because I look yeah. around and I'm like, oh, yay. <laughs> That's just how it works. Mm-hmm. It does work. And it's also, it's like when you're kids and you do things right, or, or a dog, you reward them for good behavior. I reward myself for good behavior. And I, I dip into adulting and then I go back to not adulting. And it's the not adulting where the magic happens in my world, whereas the adulting is what keeps it the balance. I suppose it's like comparing your conscious to your subconscious. You know, the subconscious is what is just the place I love. And the conscious is what I get through to make it happen. You know, it's kind of, it's a bit like that, but it's where the magic happens is not being that dog. And I, I love that word because that's my word of the year is magic. So, magic. all right. So I'm going to open up. We're, we're almost at the half hour mark. I'm going to, we got some other people in the room. So I'm going to open it up for questions from the audience as well. So I know Charlene, you've been in here from the beginning. Magic Brad, I've not met you before. And I know Preston is kind of in and out with his internet uh, at the moment. So we'll, we'll see how much they can uh, interact here, but. Magic Brad knows everything about magic. <laughs> so, by all means, join in. Terrific. Well, first off, big hello, Hillary. Good to Hi, see Mark. you. Nice to see you. Oh, and it was wonderful to hear the story again and the updates that are new to me. 
So a question I have for you is, are you one to have a lot of ideas and be able to select the one that's viable that you can see an end to, or are you more the one that once you have an idea, that's it? It is not this whole slew of possibilities, but instead you're struck with an idea, you see it move forward. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. I'm the person, I'm a bit of both actually. Uh, I'm the person that has a lot of ideas, and then I get the ideas and I do this sort of thing with it, where I mind map them, and okay. very quickly I can see whether they're the ones to pursue. When they're the ones to pursue, I will then focus entirely to make that one happen. But I'm also not afraid to admit I was wrong. So there's been things I've done, uh, especially about three years ago, there was a, a venture we went into one of our businesses and I quite quickly realised it wasn't going to work. So rather than try and be all proud and, yeah, this is going to work, it was like, no, this didn't work. I've lost money. Uh, I'm getting out now. And that was quite, that's quite a good position because you feel free for doing that. And I don't think I lost anything. But I do like to see, like, I, when I have an idea that really burns, uh -huh. I have to go, I have to finish it. I do have to finish it. But I have loads of ideas that are stupid. Um, they're just fun and, and they're never going to work. But elements of those stupid ideas, they're not even stupid, you can't really call them stupid ideas because nothing is really stupid, but elements of those non-functional ideas can help enhance the ones that work. Well, see, so the question Woman, that you answered includes, or I should say the answer you provided includes an answer to the question of, so if you write down all of these ideas and the majority are just really not viable for you, but when you, what I'm hearing you say is you've mapped out just long enough to say it's just not going to work, which I think can happen in seconds and it can also happen over a day or two, but mm. you've still got the notes and so that's where I'm seeing where you're talking about those elements from those other ideas really come into play so what it sounds like to me is that you've opened you you have the door open to explore and it's still there everything you figured out is still there when you get the idea that's the one you're going to move forward with okay yeah it's good i mean no idea i remember talking to someone and she said oh i'm full of stupid ideas and stuff and i said the only stupid ideas are the ones that aren't explored but some of the ideas I have, when I said stupid earlier, I meant they're just off the wall, like having a space rocket and stuff like that. Well, that's why I said viable. I mean, it might not be a viable idea for you to move forward with, but it's certainly viable for somebody else. Yeah, it's, possibly. That's not it. It's not that the idea is bad. It's just, is it the one that I want to devote my time and attention and monies to? I think that's a skill that we learn through experience, that we can recognize where our own strengths are, what we need to improve upon. Um, who we need the team around us. I mean, the team I've got around me for the comedy cook, you know, an amazing bunch of professionals that, you know, they're dealing with everything from the SEO, from the, the, the marketing, from the bookings, from the media inquiries, from the PR, you know, the web design, the photo shoots, the videos. It's, it's so great to be working with people. Each person within that has their niche. So he's the video man, he's the design, she's this. And they really are experts in their own field. And you bring that together, that's a power horse. That really is a powerful, a powerful team. And I'm quite easy to work with because I'm quite creative. So that I've said, have fun with me. 
you know, they've got some Game of Thrones through photo shoots planned and stuff like that. I'm like, well, let's try it. If we don't try that, we don't know what it's going to be like. Can I ask if Games of Thrones is appropriate for any type of cooking program? I don't know. I've never seen it. Me neither. But from what I've seen of people talking about it, it's like, it's like probably not. But what? Yeah. I mean, Lady Lamb really has a different connotation now, doesn't it? Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. I would probably watch a couple of episodes just so you get familiar with it. It would depend on which example. It was an example. There's other ones where, you know, they have someone lying on a bed and have rose petals and stuff where we're going to have potatoes covering bits, you know, really taking it to the extreme of um, comedy sketches. And it's spoof sketches of people here, comedy of cooks here, that I'll then mimic. Um, yeah, we'll see what it goes out like. They don't ever have to be aired. If they're no good, they don't ever have to be shown. <laughs> Well, now, now in, all, in all fairness to Game of Thrones and Comedy Cook, I think if you were sitting on a throne representing the whole Game of Thrones, that would be totally appropriate. But if they tried to, like, recreate a throne of food, it was something about sitting on top of a, a pile of food that was representative of a throne. That would work. I haven't seen I'm that yet. Going to, I'm going to a modern version of Monty Python now. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're going to have so much fun with this comedy cook thing. I love that. So as, a lot of my boxes. as it progresses, will we be able to find you? I mean, here, because we're, you know, I'm in the States. So will I be able to see this? Yes. <laughs> yes, you will. Good. I guarantee you will. And I shall make sure you do. That's good because my mamma absolutely loves cooking shows. And so I can't wait to show her you. <laughs> my first live cooking demo I did on Blab actually. And the first six minutes went really brilliantly. And I was sitting on a couch and it was couch potato cooking. <laughs> I got out, I paused it because I then went to put these things in the oven, in the little kitchen, the oven's about this big. And it, <laughs> I got to bring it out of the oven and it just didn't work. And so I went back on the record and we were just laughing. They said, this is how it can or cannot go. And it was, it was the good, the bad and the burnt. Or, you know, what really goes on in the kitchen. I had tears down my face. I was crying with laughter. And it's, you know, it's fun. And it's about exploring cooking and, and getting people to sit and enjoy each other's company around the dinner table and not just shoving things in our mouth at desks and, and things like that. But I love sketch comedy. I love impersonations. I've always loved stand-up comedy. So it really, for me, is a combination of all my skills, joys, talents, performance. I love performing. So all of that together, kind of, I, don't, I won't be doing the rest. It will just be focused on that, I think, in about two years. Wow. Nice. Yes, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hey, Christy and I might get together with the popcorn to watch. I can see it at the girls' night out. <laughs> <laughs> So, Hillary, do you have, I know you also mentioned back on Blab, or somebody mentioned somewhere that knew you, uh, some sort of a U.S. tour. So, do you plan to come to the U.S. at some point? Well, this depends when the London agent, uh, there is a chance to, um, and a different guise now, uh, it would be, I, I, I want to do the U.S., even if it's a holiday, I'm not, it's not just about, about the work stuff. The corporate training side is actually being developed by a colleague of mine. So I might still have the opportunity to dip into that if I want to, but if I'm honest, I don't want to be on the stage doing that yeah, kind of... Yeah, you can't shoot pool. Come on, Hillary. 
means you're not going to be around by me to shoot pool. Oh, no, I like socially, but I, I don't, I think I want to veer away from the, the corporate stages. And the only reason I'm doing a corporate stage tomorrow is because it's in my local county and okay. it's an audience. It's a good, and I'm doing someone a favor as well because then it was a last minute one because they got stood up <laughs> and I wasn't supposed to be doing it till the early next year. So I just brought it right forward. Again, it's a challenge to, to put that talk on. But I think where I'm stepping away from the corporate and the business roles, and then I might step away from being an editor, I then no longer have a credibility as a businesswoman in that sense until this is all a business empire, if you see what I mean. So it's, it's going to be a transition where I'll, it'll almost be like I look like a one-man band again. Yeah. So we'll see. But I definitely want to come to the States on holiday anyway. But I want to bring Spud, which means I will tour. I will Arrow Winnebago or something. Oh, yeah. Hit the road in the RV. Absolutely. Come on over that. And by the time you hit the road there, we'll be, well, by the time you get over here doing that, he and I will be living in our RV. We'll just meet you somewhere. Oh, how lovely. Just how let lovely. me know where to show up. I'll show up. Yeah, and then she'll just drive and show up. How completely bonkers that would be. I mean, I know you two have met, but could you imagine the three of us sitting there having a cup of coffee together or something? Just uh, Yes. Yeah. Around a campfire, around a campfire is Hillary is frying the potatoes. Yes. That would be funny. That would be funny. You would have a good time. But it's possible. I mean, you think how did you meet? On a platform where people jumped in and talked to each other and stuff, which again now one doesn't really exist like that. Not with those sort of things. It's like bonkers. Yeah. Which would be magical. <laughs> so. We have proof because most of us have recordings from that time. So, yeah. you know, I, I've, I'm already envisioning this. So Hillary comes to the States. We're all talking about her comedy cook program, right? She might be on holiday, but we're still talking about that. We're live streaming what yeah. we're doing, of course, somewhere in some platform. And what we are doing is reminiscing in the old days of live stream. Oh my God, the old days of live stream. <laughs> you know what the old days, right? It's been a year, but look how dated that platform is, but look how much fun we had. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. It'll be a special, ep I've already got it figured out. Just so you know, you've got a special episode of Comedy Cook because okay. it'll have to do with grilling, right? Grilling the potatoes on the open campfire. So we've got that in there, and then we'll be laughing at the bloopers from Blab. So, <laughs> oh, one of my favorite memories of Blab, talking of Blab, Charlene, was you giggling and tears coming out your eyes, laughing. Oh my word! It was a great platform, you know. It was a great time. I learned a lot, and it's because of Blab and live streaming that things changed. You know, a year ago. If you'd say, and I was already doing the cooking stuff in farmers markets and things a year ago, so it's not new in that sense. But if you'd said to me a year ago that it would have moved this far and I would have ditched that and that and that and that, I'd have said, You're crazy. I wouldn't have been able to be that fast, right? Yeah, Business doesn't move that fast, but it does when you're online. But Blab really, Blab was actually quite a catalyst for that for me. It really made me think a lot about what I wanted to do. And it opened doors and I met some exciting people and it was it was really fantastic. And then I started to play around with other ideas. And then I did, like I said, I already did my first cooking show on Blab. That was about February this year, March. I can't remember, March, I think. 
And um, it was a disaster. It was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. I had two cameras set up, two gadgets to live stream. I was wow, you went for production. Oh, it was hilarious. You know, and that, and when I was doing that, that's because I was using the hashtag comedy cook, and that's that really was because it is. This is how it is. It's not staged. You know that kind of thing. Real cooking isn't staged, but we have the ideas of being out in the country, out of the beach. You know, campfires, barbecues, cooking different stuff, and trying different things, traveling around the regions and doing different, but like, taking a speciality dish and ruining it. <laughs> So how do you see, because I don't even know, because I've been out of touch with Blab. I do a lot of um, hug and howdies kind of networking. So I'm, I'm local, very active locally. But how do you see the platforms? How are you using those now? Are there new platforms that have kind of replaced Blab? I don't even know. And then what, what do you see um, using these kind of platforms doing for Comedy Cook? Well, I've been using um, Fire Talk and Smile Time, and I've been having a little play around. I never really took to the other platform, um, Huzza, that I think has gone a bit AWOL at the moment. I'm not sure. I've been messing around. There's Nom, which is for cooking, live cooking stuff um, and cooks. I've also been doing a lot of videoing that's just going to end up going on a YouTube channel. But on the website, there's I've, I've just bought, actually, a double hot plate so that I can sit it on the table at work, and I can literally then be doing those quick videos. So you see things happening in speed. So we're doing a lot of those. But for the production side, I want natural production for the for the first, at least the first six to eight months from when we go live live, which will be the end of this year. Although the website and that will be up to so building up the content. After that, it's going to occasionally be taken out of my hands. We have full studios set up for um, individual cooking shows that will then start on a YouTube channel. They're being used to build the portfolio then hand me over to um, one of three agents that are already interested. There's three main agents in the UK that deal with cooks and chefs and things, celebrity. So we get the book, the first book out, a few tick box things, and then within 12 to 18 months, we'll be ready to hand me over to them. And then I'm in a much, I, I will be negotiating contracts from a much stronger position of strength. So you've been taking care of your mom the past, is your mom's... <gasps> forgot about her yes I have yes I have <laughs> how does your mom feel about all of this stuff getting sparked from it's her crazy. <laughs> but I blame the parents <laughs> and my dad's just had a heart surgery actually a, a month or so ago and I've had them both to look after I was housebound in a way for a good four or five weeks that it was very difficult to leave the house because dad couldn't do anything for mum he was away for two weeks Mum was obviously, is obviously paralysed and can't be left on her own. So it was really quite a suffocating time. But it did give me a lot of time to put the house in order as such. The space I'm in now is perfect for, for what I want to do. Um, it did give me a lot of time to think. I also lost a lot of time because I wasn't able to go and do that. I couldn't just do that. And then I'm like, well, that doesn't matter because I'm actually ahead of schedule even though I'm behind, if that makes sense, because it's the rebrand already before you've even launched. It's quite crazy, really. But um, it, they think I'm crazy and they support it. When she saw me on ITV, on the, on the TV channel, she just like, really? And um, I was on BBC Radio on Friday and they made me take Spud. And an Estonian film crew was filming the presenter who comes from Estonia. And Spud was in there. And because the camera crew came in near me, he started growling. He barked live on BBC. 
he was protecting me, this little tiny protecting me. And uh, so he's getting used to being in the studios and stuff. And mum was, saying, mum was saying she had the radio on at home and she just nearly died laughing when she heard Spurs barking on BBC radio. <laughs> That's awesome. That's priceless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I must get that snippet, actually. I must take that recording off, uh, off their website. <laughs> that, yes, yes. Shareable yes. content. <laughs> yes, shareable content. Awesome. Well, Hillary, I thank you so much for your time. Charlene, did you have anything else with Hillary? Well, I was just going to say that snippet would be the perfect intro to the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And that's Spud. Hey, Spud, back off. I'm getting it done. And, you know. <laughs> Almost done. Right. Um, so, well, I do have one final question, and this is as a business owner, is financing. How, what is sustaining you financially as you're entering in this new endeavor? Uh, meaning just revenue. Where is it coming from? That's all. I have a magazine, three award ceremonies, and a Botox clinic. Okay. And I now get paid for, I do still get paid for speaking. So, um, yeah, that's actually fine. I've lost the big £1,500 a day work in the corporates, but it's I'm not money driven. As long as I've got enough to do what I need to do and build what I need to build, um, that's fine. But, yes. There, there was well, yeah, as, as a business owner myself, that's really the only priority when I'm starting a new venture. I'm, I'm launching something new myself. And... The other, the business I currently have in place is still going, so that covers the bills and covers the extra, right? Yeah. And and so the revenue is there. That's not stopped. It's just that often, that's one of the questions people have in the back of their mind when somebody like you who has these things going, it sounds like well, you have this huge new venture and you had this downtime that you had to focus on your parents and they're at the house. What are you doing about finance? What is the revenue? Is it stopped? Had you planned for this? Does it continue? So that was all. That was all. Thank you. Yes, you have to. Otherwise, it, I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do this, say, four years ago. It wasn't stable enough to do that four years ago. But now it is. And also, you know, it's um, a lot of the cooking and stuff we're doing, which is obviously you're financing all the recipes, all the ingredients. But it's stuff we're eating for dinner that we're then photographing for the book. So it's not even that we're making stuff that's being wasted or anything like that. It's about the real cooking. So it's using normal everyday life stuff, going to the market where I go shopping, taking videos of that. That's all stuff you would be doing anyway. So there's no real extra expense that way. But I have got um, investors. Investors? Not investors, that's the wrong word. Um, I've got people who are pre-ordering products and books and stuff. So um, that's, that's quite nice too. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. Very nice. Um, so, not sure what happened on that one. So with that, Hillary, did you have, if you were to give advice to anybody that's leaving corporate, starting something new, taking the world by storm kind of thing, what piece of advice mm -hmm. would you give them? If I could only give them one piece of advice that I would hope they would act upon would be to look out the right people to mix with the right people to find the networking the networks be the online or offline of the right people that can help you and you can help them and to grow there's no point hanging around with negative people if you really want to do something um so i think first of all i would look at finding uh, the right network which is exactly how i started 
Very good. I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> so I would love to hear what you thought about today's podcast show, Small Talk with Smallwood, with my guest, Hillary Steele. I absolutely enjoyed this interview that I did with her a few, couple of years ago uh, and the interaction with, that we had within the room. And I'm so excited about what's coming next for this particular show, Small Talk with Smallwood. So I do want to thank you guys again for listening and for joining in and for commenting. Let me know what you thought about today's show with my guest. And uh, looking forward to the next one. My name is Christy Smallwood. I will talk with you later. 